0: You're listening to Don't IEP Alone with special education advocate Lisa Leitner. For more information about Lisa, the IEP Toolkit, and more ways we can help you in your process, go to a day in our Now back to the show with your host, Lisa. Hello, and thank you for tuning in again for another episode of Don't IEP Alone. I'm Lisa Leitner, and we are still talking about IEP evaluations. This is section, segment three, session three, whatever you want to call it, episode three, I guess is what I should call it. And welcome. So we talked about requesting evaluations and how to do that. We talked about PTE forms and all that good stuff. And now we're going to talk about the evals and the quiet time because now that you've requested evaluations now that you've signed that PTE or PTR form the school district is going to take anywhere from about four to eight weeks to actually do the evaluations and so we just sit quietly and wait as parents Um, if you're working with an advocate this is kind of the time when I get on a very casual contact list with my clients. It's not that constant engagement, constant communication that we have talking about things that are going on because we're really just waiting. We're waiting for those evaluations. When the evaluations are underway, some of them may contain a parent component, a parent questionnaire and things like that, parent observations. I would make sure that you take the time to participate to the maximum extent possible. I know you want to, I know in the day to day chaos that is most households between kids and work and all that other stuff that we just sometimes forget. And then it's the night before or the day of, and we're like, Oh my God. And we're filling it out like on the fly and things like that. Um, So really set aside some time to have meaningful participation. If, if that's being asked of you or if you have that opportunity as part of the assessment. I used to be when I first became an advocate I also became a compliance monitor for the Bureau of Special Education and went around the region doing compliance monitoring for special education. We went to a workshop one time where they bring in like all the compliance monitors which they used to do I think every summer. And they would do this training. And it was just an overview of like, hey, here's some trends that we're seeing out in the field. Here are some common issues that we're seeing be repeated over and over and things like that. I used to have the video on my Facebook page. I don't even know if I still still do because it's like at least 10 years old. Um, but it was the compliance monitor. Now, this is Pennsylvania, but the, the Bureau of Special Ed they had actually said to us as far as the timelines, that since in Pennsylvania, you have 60 days to evaluate what their interpretation of that is, is that the parent has that evaluation report in their hand on day 60. That was their interpretation of that 60 day timeline. I don't know if that still holds true I do remember um I do remember during when he said it somebody was like can you say that again and I quick got out my tablet like we didn't even have smartphones then like that's how long ago this was um but I got out my tablet that I had and um took a video of him saying it and I was like oh my god you guys look like he said day 60 because we were seeing different from that we were seeing this interpretation of oh and then we have 30 days to do this and you know they felt that since they had 30 days to drop the IEP that that included the evaluation report and so on and so on anyway that's the standard that was told to us way back when I don't know if it still holds true I don't know what it is in your state I would say focus on the big picture if your team is late in getting you this report I would document it I would make note of it but I wouldn't dwell on it it's good information to have should you find yourself in a dispute it's going to show you know a lot of loose ends there are a lot of you know no attention to detail and and not doing things in a timely manner but fighting with school on you know say it's day 60 and you email them and say, hey, it's day 60, where's my report? And they say, well, we don't have to give it to you for another two weeks or you know, whatever they come up with. I, I don't, that changes the focus, right? And then if you go into the state regs and you go into IDEA and you say, well, no, it says this. And they say, well, no, it says this. And like then you've completely changed the focus. You don't wanna be arguing with your team about 10 or 20 or 30 days you want to focus on the big picture and that is this a good set of evaluations are they accurate did they find what you thought they would find are they identifying the needs that your child has and so on again I would make note of it and I would say you can send an email that says hey it's October 11th and We'll see, October is not good because we haven't even been in school that long. But you know, you can send an say you send an email and you say, you know, on September 1st I returned that permission to evaluate form. I still have not received a report. Can you let me know when I should expect this? Again, it gives you that data and documentation piece as far as when you handed in the PTE or PTR form and what day it is today, and you still don't have that report. Again, it's good information to have if things get ugly and you need more proof that your school is just kind of negligent in meeting your child's needs. It's good information to have, but I wouldn't argue over it in the moment, especially if your relationship with the team is otherwise good. But you can still ask for it, right? When can I expect this? Four an evaluation report the first time most schools will bring you in for a separate meeting many times they still will do this before the iep meeting i personally think that's too much information to hear and receive in one day if you're new to the iep process and it's that first set of evals that is a lot to absorb just on its own, and then to go through the whole IEP. You have to decide what's going to work for you and what you're going to agree to. The school is required to provide you with someone who can explain these evaluations to you. I understand it is not always easy to ask for help. I understand why parents do don't want to ask for this service right we don't want to appear like we don't know we're afraid it's going to make us put us at a disadvantage or make us look weak make us look uninformed chances are you have a job or a career that the school psychologist cannot do right you have a job or a career that an ot cannot do that a PT cannot do. So why are you putting this pressure on yourself to do their job, to know and do their job? We're not PTs. We're not OTs. We're not SLPs. We're not school psychologists. We're not reading experts. We're not special ed teachers. We're not any of these things. It's okay to not know what they know. I didn't go to school for four years and then a master's and so on and so on to learn these different assessments. They did. It's okay to ask for help. Again, they're required to provide someone, it's in IDEA, that there will be someone there who can explain this to you. Maybe you need a pre-meeting or a post-meeting to go over this information ahead of time or after the fact. If you go to that first ER meeting and you're like, I really need someone to explain this to me better. It's okay. Schedule another meeting with someone. Not all states define when this report should be given to you. So you want to familiarize yourself with your own state regs. This is what you're going to need to do for the long haul anyway, right? I say it over and over and over again. The IEP process does not get easier. You get better. And really knowing, you know, that doesn't mean you have to memorize all your state regs and all these timelines and all that, but you should at least familiarize yourself with your state's website and so that you know what to expect and you know what your rights are and all that other good stuff, okay? Okay. You want to know when you should expect the report and don't be afraid to ask for it and don't be afraid to ask to have a separate meeting with someone who can explain it to you. Now, if you're not comfortable with that, if you're still like, yeah, I know they have to, but I'm still not comfortable doing that. You can look online, find if you, you know, find an educational psychologist or someone else who works in this field and ask if you can just pay them a consulting fee hey can I give you my child's report and can you explain it to me and that's it and you might just have to pay them a fee to do that that's an option if you have the means and you have the resources near you to to have someone to do that it's an option if you really are not comfortable asking the school Don't be afraid. I know it's not convenient for them. What is convenient for the school is to get a substitute teacher, bring them in, give the classroom to the substitute teacher for half the day or the full day, and for that teacher to do two IEP meetings, right, one in the morning and one in the afternoon, and go over the evaluation report and then the IEP. I know that's administratively convenient for them. However, that may not work for you, and it may not work for me. And I am sorry that my child is not convenient for them, but life isn't always convenient, and it's not my job to make their lives convenient. I can be collaborative. I can be cooperative. I can do all these things, but if I don't have the processing power to, if this is all new to me, and I can't go through an evaluation report meeting and then an IEP meeting, You know, I wouldn't agree to it. It's it's just gonna be too much, you're not gonna understand it and then you're gonna be overwhelmed and just not even know where to begin, right? You just sat through two or three hours of a whole bunch of stuff you didn't understand and now what do you do? You don't even know. So whether or not you agree to that is up to you. I certainly wouldn't agree to it without at least a week if not more to review the documents meaning the report and the draft IEP i am not going to walk into an IEP meeting after not having a, an evaluation report maybe ever or not in 3 years i'm not going to walk into a meeting where you hand me the report and the IEP and then we all and expect me to just kind of go over it and agree to it all No, you need time to be a meaningful team participant and handing you these documents when you walk in the door does not allow you meaningful participation in the IEP process and that is one of your rights. You are a mandated IEP team member and you get to have meaningful participation in the process. So, if you have to call for another meeting, you have to call for another meeting. It's, it's just a lot to absorb and you don't have to sign anything that day. You don't have to agree with the evaluation report. You don't have to sign anything besides the attendance sheet. And you might hear things like, well, we can't begin services until you do this or we can't begin to draw up an IEP until you agree to this report. That's okay. In the big picture, A week or two of delayed services is not going to change your child's out child's outcome thank you i want to go home and review this and absorb it i'll just be signing the attendance sheet today these might be phrases that are out of your comfort zone you're going to have to just practice them in the car in the shower or wherever um, if speaking up and, and speaking out isn't in your comfort zone, you're going to have to get there, because your child's dependent on it. And that doesn't mean we have to be mean and nasty. And I'm not saying disagree with your team on everything. But a lot of times parents are overwhelmed, and they're afraid to speak up. And that's okay, you can just pause, just hit that pause button, you don't have to agree to anything if you're overwhelmed. Thank you. But I'd really like to read this report first. I had a, I heard a lot of great information today, and now I need to process it and think about it. And I'll get back to you on and give him a date. You know, I'll, I'll get back to you by Halloween. Okay, you don't have to feel pressure to agree to anything today. I get it. They have schools are under a tremendous amount of pressure right now, and I get that. But my kid comes first. My kid only has me to advocate for him. If I don't advocate for him, no one will. It's my job. He's depending on me. Okay, so go to that meeting as you feel comfortable. If it's two meetings, if it's one long meeting, whatever it is, please do not feel like you can't ask for more meetings or more explanation. You are entitled the ability to be a meaningful IEP team participant. Okay. Seek private services, not services for your child, but services for yourself as far as a child psychologist or whoever to explain this to you if if you need it and you don't want to ask the school. Okay. So something I said I was going to touch on last time and I forgot and I even had it in my notes and I was like, well, why did I write that there? Um, and then after I uploaded the episode, I was like, oh, right. That's what I was going to say. We were going to talk about... I said I was going to talk about when a school doesn't have to evaluate your child, right? They don't, they're not required to evaluate every child whose parent sends in a request. They can deny your child evaluations. And some of the reasons might surprise you. One is overseas adoptions and English language learners. If the school district believes that your child is behind because of any of these issues, um, in particular, you know, these overseas adoptions where these kids had a really terrible upbringing in their early years, you know, in, in really nasty orphanages and things like that. Um, and again, English language learners, the problem I see there is, so first of all, let me go with the overseas adoption piece. Like it's just pretty, it's, it's, it is, it's, they're not, if you bring a child here from overseas and they just didn't receive education or they had other issues besides a disability, that can be used to deny evaluations so you're going to have to be diligent and clever in that you know your child might be experiencing trauma or they might be emotionally disturbed like you can you can have experienced overseas living and but not been denied you know early childhood education and preschool and have a learning disability. Like if that makes sense. And the same goes for English language learners. Where I live, we have a very large Spanish-speaking population. We have many children here who were born here in this country, but their parents were not. And the children are being denied evaluations based on this whole English, they're English language learners, Meanwhile the kids are perfectly bilingual and it's just the parents who don't speak English. So fun fact is that you can speak Spanish, English and still have, you know, ADHD or autism or dyslexia and on and on and on. So you want to make sure that if if you have some of these situations that you are clear about what you're seeing. Because another one that is kind of common is um a lot of homeschoolers, many homeschooling families will homeschool their children, but then put them in the public school at high schoolish age, you know, when they get a little bit older, they want to, you know, put them there. Or if they see a learning disability kind of starting to manifest itself, they might say, well, now we need to get them in the public school because there they can get better services than what I can provide here at home. Um, Lack of instruction is a reason to deny evaluations. So you're going to have to be very diligent if you are a homeschooling parent um, as to what instruction that you've provided. So those are just some of the reasons. There are others. Um, Again, check with your state regs so that you are clear. Okay, so what did we talk about? We've talked about how to request evaluations, when, how, who, all that fun stuff. We talked about the permission to evaluate form. We talked about re-evaluation of existing data. We've talked about these evaluation reports and interpreting the results, which, by the way, I do have a short webinar on my website, adayinourshoes.com, where I did a Facebook Live with my friend Monica, who is the president of the learning disabilities association of america she and i did a webinar together a couple of years ago about how to interpret your child's evaluations i will link it in the show notes so that you can watch that at a later date if you wish but again, you are entitled to know this information. It's, it's not just about receiving the report and going to the meeting. You are entitled to be able to understand this information and be a meaningful participant in the process. So we talked about that, right? These evaluation meetings wrapped up with IEP meetings. Yes, no, maybe so. And you know what? We're kind of really getting into the thick of it now. And I'll just say it again, the IEP process does not get better. It doesn't get any easier. My IEP meetings are not any easier today than they were in 2009. I got better, I got informed, I learned the IEP process. That's why they're easy for me. But if you're waiting and you're just kind of sweating it out, going through each year and going through each process and kind of like waiting for it to get easier. I'm here to tell you, it's not going to happen. No one's coming to save you. No one. You have to do this yourself. Um, I have lots of great little mini courses, I believe from $19 and up on understanding data collection and everything, your rights, procedural safeguards, Goals, all that stuff. I have it all on my site. I will link that in the show notes as well. Definitely consider taking some training. It's just impossible these days to be a good advocate for your child without formal training. It just is. So, okay. So we are going to talk next week. We have one more episode in our evaluation series. We're going to talk about IEEs. So learn you're going to learn what it is, when to ask for one, how to ask for one, and all that other good stuff. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Don't IEP Alone with special education advocate Lisa Leitner. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. For more information about Lisa, the IEP toolkit, and more ways we can help you in your process, go to a day in our shoes.com. From self-care tips to common IEP mistakes, there's even more to explore. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and subscribe to never miss an episode. Until next time, don't IEP alone, and you don't have to.